0: back to the Hill 9 Sports Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Dylan Sanders. And finally, joining me again on the podcast. We are together, here at the same time, Brandon. Hi, Brandon. Hi, Dylan. You can find me on Twitter at Dilly Sanders, and you can find Brandon at WNS underscore Brandon. But we are not alone. Joining the podcast for the second time, host of the Locked On Saints podcast. I don't know what I was going to say. Locked On Sports. I'm always going to mess something up. And uh and lead contributor for All Saints Considered, Ross Jackson. What's good
1: everybody? Thanks so much for having me back, guys. Glad to be here for a second time. I appreciate you having me.
0: Of course. Ross, your family, you should know that. I appreciate that. And you can follow Ross on Twitter at Ross Jackson ASC. And you can follow All Saints Considered at All Saints blog. I just wanted to shout that out because they just passed ten thousand followers.
1: Woohoo, man. Yeah. We're glad for it, man. Two years in, going strong. Love it.
0: Making moves. Yeah. This is gonna be a big season for ASC. You can really also exciting. find me writing some stuff over there too, so.
1: Yep. Shout out. Yep.
0: I um. actually
1: just point actually just pointed people to one of your articles not too long ago, the one that you wrote about um about the uh, quarterbacks going into last season or coming out of the draft last season, going into like the following season, mm-hmm. and some of those quarterbacks that are going to be available looking forward. I actually pointed people to that article on an episode a couple weeks ago, about a week ago, I think.
0: Shout out, shout out, word. Me. Um, I've been too busy to listen to Mary. I haven't gotten any podcasting in, and it sucks. Wow! So you just same. brought me onto
1: your podcast to tell me about how you haven't. Listened I had to, to
0: listened to my own. Wow.
1: All right. Wow! I haven't given my own the listen yet. <laughs> oh, also,
0: same here.
1: <laughs> no, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. And you know, I mean, we're. I'm what every Monday through Friday. But I will say, like, shout out to you guys for your each each cracking in your uh, your solo episodes.
0: How how bad were they? No, they were great. All they right, were great. All right. They were awesome.
2: I don't know. We were told that we're better when we have someone else to bounce off of.
0: I mean,
1: everybody is.
2: Yeah,
0: like, it's easier. That's what I is. said. That's yeah. what
2: I said.
1: It's easier. I don't yeah, it, Ross, right? you suck. You suck <laughs> at you suck I'm terrible at ninety percent of my podcasts because I do them by myself. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> nah, it's great. Uh, Locked on Saints, best podcast in the game. Second best podcast in the game. I did it again. <laughs> You're such a dick. <laughs> Brandon looking take,
2: for a new host. <laughs> I really, I am seriously. I'll, if any, the first I'll bring one. Coach Harris here. I'll bring Coach Harris. He'll be here week in week out. With him.
0: Speaking of Coach Harris, at the end of the this episode, Segway Sanders, you can find an interview that Brandon did with him uh yesterday. I was not able to make it for that one because um, I didn't really know about it until like right before it happened. But uh yeah.
2: Yeah, it's just that's kind of how it just worked out scheduling yeah. wise. Uh, I know. But, you uh, know, it was fun. For those that don't know, Coach Harris, uh, Last Chance you, he's the new head coach at Independence Community College. Uh, it was a really fun interview. I had a blast. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, he was awesome to talk to.
0: Yeah, so last uh, episode before last, we wrapped up the college football conference previews. And so, uh, as we said, we're going to transfer over to the NFL, looking at some divisions, seeing how that's going. And, uh, of course, Ross Jackson does all the stuff for the, the Saints. So you can imagine we're going to be going over the AFC South. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I assume that Ross has some, some knowledge about the AFC South. Can't go over
2: the AFC South. NFC <laughs> South.
0: <laughs> <laughs> NFC South. You know that's what I meant. Good.
1: I got you. I got you. Yeah, man. No, I'm happy to be here. Happy to go through it. Uh, it's it's easily one of the better divisions in the NFL. Um, a lot of people would say either the NFC South or the NFC West. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's a lot. Of, it's a fun one. It should be a fun one again. This Well, not again this season. Last season was kind of boring because the Saints kind of ran away with it. But this season is shaping up to be a little bit different.
0: I, speaking of like the last year, did y'all watch All or Nothing yet? with like, the carolina panthers no season. but
2: uh it's literally what i'm watching once we stop recording
0: it's it's great because like the first couple episodes is is, oh, is right. hyping them up and yeah, then they, like they six all one. fall apart and it's hilarious oh man that's so. the sad. only thing i've seen
2: was uh the clip of luke keekly and cam noon on facetime with josh norman yeah. And and Josh is just like, Hey, is Greg Olson playing? And Cam Newton tries to like keep it low key and Luke Luke Keekly's just immediately like, No, he's not. And Cam's just like, What the fuck, Luke? Like, you gotta keep him guessing, like you can't
0: let him know. You can just tell him what's happening. That's hilarious. Oh man. Yeah, it was good. And of course the Panthers fell apart, so they it was nothing. And they it's the answer to the question. Spoiler alert. They got nothing. Right. Um, except for a mid mid first round draft pick, which I mean I like I like Brian Burns, but you know, um, so yeah we can go we can go in and uh, Brandon you want to go in and start off with the first uh, first question?
2: Yeah, sure. Uh, Ross, what are your predictions for the end of your standings in the NFC South?
1: Uh, For me, uh, and I, okay, so let me, let me say this too, because I, I'm aware that I'm coming on here as the host of the Locked on Saints podcast as a New Orleans native born and raised um, and and all of Fake that. Fake-ass California. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> and so it's easy for me to come off as somebody that is just going to pull for the Saints the entire time. Uh, But I have a lot of reasons why I believe that the Saints will win the NFC South for the third year in a row here in 2019. Uh, A lot of it has to do with offensive firepower. It also has to do with the defense. This is kind of a blend of things that we haven't really seen in New Orleans for quite a while to where we have this high-octane offense that we get to watch in the city, but also have this defense that is looking, if they can continue the trend from where they got to last season in 2018, looking like it's going to be a pretty solid defense going into 2019. So when I look at that, I immediately put the Saints up at the top. They're also, you know, two years in a row now have won won the South. So they're sort of the incumbent champion within the... The division. So I'll put them up top. Um, I look for it to basically be a little bit of a repeat of last year. I still have not a lot of faith at all in the Carolina Panthers. And I think the Tampa Buccaneers travel so, so, so much this season. They have several uh, times where they travel more than 2000. 2000- uh, miles, And then they also have that long stretch where they go, I can't remember if it's five or six games, but they go five or six games away from Raymond James Stadium, including a quote-unquote home game in London. And then just a couple of weeks after they finally get back to Raymond James Stadium, the Saints show up. So that doesn't make it any easier on them. And so I put them at the bottom. I put the Carolina Panthers in third, and then that leaves the Atlanta Falcons to be the second best team in <sighs> the NFC South as the ones that really have all the tools i mean they're the ones out of out of the other three teams they're the ones that have the most tools available to them to actually challenge the saints for the nfc south we'll talk a little bit more in depth about it as we go through and talk about each team or however it is that you guys want to go about it but when it comes down to the falcons they have the other best offense in the in the division and the defense ugh, okay so the defense is struggling because they're continuing with injuries they lost jj wilcox for the season they lost michael bennett for the season not that michael bennett the other michael bennett on the defensive line and then they've also lost some other defensive line players as well going into the season they get devin white back uh keanu neal is still rehabbing from his injury but they've got ricardo allen back and they've got their corners back so the secondary is mostly back to shape oh did i mention duke riley duke riley got hurt too so it's been a lot of injuries on the defense again for the falcons and so it kind of depends on you know they sort of use them getting players back from injury as their free agency for defense (laughs) if that makes sense that's fair Uh, yeah, you know, to where the, you know you get those players back, and then your defense improves. And as as somebody that covers the Saints and that follows the Saints closely, I can attest, and I think Dylan can as well. We can attest to the fact that one linebacker can change your defense. We saw that with Demario Davis last year. And oh so if,
0: man, it was it was a beautiful transition.
1: Right, right. And so if we're gonna give credit to the Saints for that and to Demario Davis for that, we have to acknowledge that Deion Jones coming back to the Falcons' defense, is going to make that defense better. Simply simply put, it's going to make that defense better. And so as long as Dick, he comes back and is playing at the level that he was playing at, which I can't imagine that he won't, and I imagine that he'll play a full season in 2019, we can expect that defense to at least communicate better and therefore execute better. And so that's really the team second to the Saints that has the, the sort of greatest ability to challenge for the NFC South. So I put them second.
2: And then uh, real quick, talking about Deion Jones – I do have an autographed jersey of his coming in the mail. So. Nice. Uh, nice, nice, yeah, nice. fantastic had, player, man. Yeah, Matt Miller had a raffle, and apparently I won an autographed Dion Jones LSU jersey. Oh my oh, god! Got the
1: LSU jersey.
0: I'm too. so jealous. That's perfect. That's awesome. I'll uh, I'll quit the podcast if you give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> Mmm, that's, that's pretty tempting. Why <laughs> don't
1: you all... You, you could wager it on your uh, your Felipe Franks Joe Burrow wager. <laughs> I'm not that confident. <laughs> <laughs> Felipe Franks.
0: <laughs> I, I'm down. 100% down. I'll uh, I'll give you my... Uh, I don't have anything that valuable. Just tell him you have a signed Deion Jones jersey. My friend met... Uh, <laughs> Met Devin White, so I'll your sign
2: Dion Jones one for it. Sign Dion Jones, right? I have a Separate. picture.
0: I have a picture of my cousin with Leonard Fournette. I could have my cousin sign it and give that to you. It's <laughs> a <laughs> <That laughs> <is laughs> signed photo, of oh. Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette's a joke. So, all uh,
1: right, I, oh, man. <laughs> I mean, what he's a tough, the most what a tough overrated. transition he's had. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. No, nah.
1: very tough transition he's had to the Come NFL. Come sure. from
2: the fucking guy that was like, "Oh, the SEC is basically the NFL." Fucking is it, Leonard? Because you're really not <laughs> producing the same. I mean, to be fair, he's playing for the Jaguars. Yeah, no, no, no. I don't accept that.
1: I mean. He's playing, but he's also playing. He's playing in the (laughs) real quick. Sorry, he's playing in the AFC South. (laughs) And if you're going to say anything about like the SEC being as good as the NFL, the AFC South is kind of one of those groups that you could say, okay, well, maybe. I mean, there's no college Mm -hmm. team that's ever going to beat an NFL team, but if you look at maybe the AFC South and AFC East, they're kind of the closest to what you might find (laughs) in the SEC.
0: Oh, man. I, I, yeah, I'm. I agree with with those standings. I'd say uh, as much as it hurts to hurt me to say anything about about good about the Falcons. Um, they did. Uh, they definitely did improve a lot. I think, and should the injuries not hurt them, which they kind of are early on in in camp, because I think I saw J. J. Wilcox and Michael Bennett both suffered injuries.
1: Yeah, and they, um, that was the first. That was their first training camp practice, and they lost two guys for the defense. And then uh, for the season, and then uh, a couple of days later, Duke Riley goes down, I think a hamstring injury, if I remember
3: correctly mm-hmm.
1: and stuff. And so it's, it's piling up again, but this time sort of in the, it's piling up toward like the back half of their roster toward the depth, which is really going to be, uh, that's, that's kind of a big deal because the Saints and Falcons don't meet each other until what week 10 after the bye week. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's kind of a big deal. Did we finish the standings or did yeah. we not get three and four? No, I'm sorry. I, 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 I pointed to the Saints as the top, and then I went from four up to two. And so I uh, mentioned okay. uh, the – no, it's okay. I mentioned the Bucks at, at number four uh, because of their travel and everything. As much as I love their new coach hire, it's just going to take some time to get in there. Byron Lemfords as an offensive coordinator is kind of an unknown quantity. But Todd Bowles, the defensive coordinator with Bruce Arians, is pretty, pretty nice. And, of course, you add Devin White. But they're going to have an adjustment period plus all of that wacky travel and playing away from home and then um, the Panthers I put at number three. Although those guys could be interchangeable with one another uh, depending on how quickly, uh, if you know, depending on how long Cam, Cam Newton lasts. That team lives and dies by Cam Newton and then will eventually live and die by Will Greer's adjustment to the NFL. Um, and so I put them at three and four with the Falcons at two and Saints at the top. Fuck you, Will Greer will
2: transfer fantastically.
1: I think he will. I think he will. I really like Will Greer. I wanted him in New Orleans.
2: TBH QB1 in the NFC South.
0: Uh, uh, okay. I, I found who I made. Uh, I found the guy who made that one graphic <laughs> that had Devin White as the best linebacker. <laughs> uh, found him. <laughs> found him. I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that. Oh, man. It was just so bad.
1: But. But there is something too. There is something too. What Brandon just said that we should also acknowledge too is that, and this is moving beyond next season, so I won't spend too much time on it. But this is moving beyond next season. That this is this is really, really, really looking like it's Drew Brees' final season. It, it, at, it is. Yeah, when you look at the extensions that are being handed out, the one that's eventually coming for Michael Thomas, um, Cam Jordan's, then they've got Alvin Kamara will probably be next offseason if they want to get ahead of it, which I imagine they will before he potentially holds out because that running back position is a holdout position for sure. Um, and then you've got a couple of 50-year options coming up, so on and so forth. Sheldon Rankin's at the end of the season as well. And so you have all of those extensions coming down down the pike. And then everything just kind of, I mean, Drew Brees's just sort of demeanor is, is very much passing the torch, right? The whole mm-hmm. thing with Zion Williamson this year, he's wearing one, you know, his cleats for all 16 games are going to be for a charity, and they're going to be decorated or designed After a charity and then those cleats will be auctioned off at the end of every game with that money donated to said charity and stuff like he's just kind of setting himself up for what could be what looks like a final season for him. And so when you look at that, then you jump into, okay, who are the best quarterbacks in the division after that? So you imagine Teddy Bridgewater is the next QB one in New Orleans. You've got uh, probably Jameis Winston for whatever reason. Uh, You've got Will Greer and then Matt Ryan, who almost got his eyeball burst by a fan at training camp and threw saw a that. football at his face while he wasn't paying attention. <laughs> and so when you look at that, you know, depending on depending on what I, again, imagine is a successful transition for Will Greer, he, I mean, he's going to be in that conversation with those other guys, depending on how Teddy Bridgewater's adjustment is to New Orleans, which looks like it's going to be positive.
0: I Yeah. I, I've liked what I've seen from Teddy this so far this year. And I, I think he's definitely the front runner for the, to, to replace Drew Brees.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, unless something Uh wacky happens in the draft. But Mm -hmm. um, right now it's looking like all Teddy.
0: All right, and kind of moving on from uh, from the standings, but also not because it's like in the same ballpark. um, We have some betting odds uh, to give you see if you would take the bet on this team winning the conference, Mm -hmm. uh, the division. I mean, still thinking about college football. Um, So I'll start from the bottom um, and go uh, Tampa Bay Bucks plus twelve hundred.
1: That's twelve hundred. Uh, I just wouldn't waste my money on that.
0: <laughs> I I definitely don't think they're going to be terrible. I mean, I love Bruce Arians. Uh, he's a, he's a great personality. I I obviously love the the devin White uh, draft. I mean, don't love it because I'd rather the NFC South top taking all of the LSU players. Um, <laughs> but for them, it's a very good pick, and he's going to lead that defense for a while. I, I I still yeah definitely wouldn't take weights my money on 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 that twelve hundred.
1: Yeah, and let's not forget too the addition of Adam Sioux makes that defense a little bit better. Todd Bowles as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, like with the with the adjustment for the offense going into that uh, going into twenty nineteen Bruce Arians is a little is, you know is 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 a quarterback guru. He is a quarterback whisperer. But it's going to be a little tough to sort of navigate that change for Jameis Winston. Uh, and then you know essentially when you say you're going to win the NFC South. You have to say that this team is going to be better than the teams that we think could truly win the NFC South, and I don't even see them being better than Atlanta. Uh, yeah. I could see them being better than Carolina this year, but just with all that travel time and everything too, like that's such a huge factor in records every single season. Like it's not even about strength of schedule. Sometimes it's just the travel, and they have just such a wacky schedule. Them and the Raiders really got screwed this year with that new <laughs> scheduling, with yeah. that new scheduling formula, whatever it is they use.
0: Uh, And second, uh, the next one is going to be Carolina Panthers plus 50, uh, 550.
1: Plus 550? Yeah. Uh. I, I'd give that, I'd give that a shot.
0: I'd be more more inclined, more well, inclined think... to give them that twelve plus twelve hundred.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's my thing. I'm surprised that it's only five fifty. Like I thought they'd be a little bit more I thought that they'd have like lesser odds. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe if it was maybe later on in the season if you know, as we get closer to the season or, or the first couple of seasons it, if they drop somewhere to like seven fifty to thousand, I would take that. But I mean I, I would I would be taking a big risk to go five fifty mm-hmm. for, for
0: Carolina. Speaking of a big risk, big risk because this team always goes, goes in the season one way, and then something happens, and then they you never really know how they're going to finish the season going right. into a season. Uh, it's the Falcons plus three fifty.
1: Plus three fifty. Good lord, yeah. these odds
0: suck. These really do. <laughs>
1: these, <Are> these, these <laughs> yeah. You're not making any money on these odds. No. Um. I guess if you wanted to play. Like if you wanted to play it really safe and you just kinda had like somebody somebody you found a hundred dollars on your way to sportsbook or something mm-hmm. and you just wanted to put something down, I would go with either the Panthers at five fifty or the um, or the Falcons at three fifty. Just because the NFC South is so unpredictable and it always has been. I mean, up until a few years ago, no team had won it two years in a row. And then of course mm-hmm. the Panthers did it three years in a row. The Saints look to be the third team to do that. Uh, Within the division, and so you know it is wacky. It's wild. The division competition is always uh, really close in the NFC South, and so I guess if you really wanted to take maybe a safer bet, you could go with that because you come out on the other side and then you're up plus two fifty at that point. But Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. I don't think I would take that either. These odds all kind of suck.
0: And and just so people don't say that I'm making terrible odds, it is from Bovada, so I just I just grabbed them. So this is this is all what Vegas is saying. Yeah, they don't want Um, you.
1: Vegas does not want you betting on the NFC South.
0: No, not at all. And to further prove that point, the New Orleans Saints are at minus
1: 190. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. All right. So let's say you were on your way to sportsbook. You had $90. then, (laughs) Then you found $100. And you thought, you know what? I would like to make $100 with this $190 then you know, I guess you make that bet but yeah. obviously you stay away from that 100%.
0: No, I I I've never I've never been one to like dive into betting in the minuses.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm cool.
0: Um I mean, I obviously think they will and they have the best chance to. It's just Yeah. I don't like minus odds, you know.
1: Yeah, I would say probably like if you wanted to really extend your if you wanted to really extend your 100, then you take the you take the Panthers. Um, if you wanted the safe bets, where you have a great, a pretty, I'll, you have a you have better odds at actually making a little bit of money, I would go with the Falcons. And if you just had no respect for yourself, then you take the Saints.
0: <laughs> you just don't like money,
1: right? Yeah, if you hate money, mm-hmm. then that's what you do. Or you just put it on the bucks and you let it ride for twelve hundred and see what happens.
0: I mean, we were looking at coaching coaching firing odds, and they had like Bill Belichick plus fifteen thousand. Uh, Doug Peterson <laughs> plus ten thousand. What are those kind of odds? got <laughs> right. I want, I want that. I want that Why for are, the Bucks winning it.
1: That's what I'm saying. I'll t- I take Doug Peterson on that.
0: I would I would definitely take Doug Peterson plus ten thousand. Yeah.
2: Bill Belichick or bust. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so if you're on the way to the to the sports book and you found ninety, then you found a hundred, then you found another hundred. You can go put one ninety on the Saints and then put a hundred on Bill Belichick being the first coach fired this year.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that way you lose a little bit of money and then you lose a little bit more money, but at least you had a chance. At least you had a chance at walking away Did with you, fifteen thousand. <laughs> <Did laughs> <you? laughs> well, yeah, no, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. If you found the other, if you found the two hundred, yeah. Um... That's so funny. <laughs> Plus,
2: like he, Belichick's also like the GM basically right. in new england <laughs> so it's like really how hard
1: is it going to be for him to get fired right like at what uh. point is it him getting fired versus you know the the, the logistic of him resigning at that point
2: all that's right that's what then. i was thinking. like what if they just go like Owen
1: six and then he just like <laughs>
2: <he just> oh <doesn't laughs> go.
0: Go and oh Owen 16 for the next three years and still have a job
1: i think he would leave that job yeah I think he'd be like, I'm going back to Cleveland.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Jets, you want me back? Right. (laughs) All right, Brandon, uh, you want to move on and ask the next one? (laughs) I'll never (laughs) fucking do that accent again. (laughs) Jesus. Come on now, Uh, we're going to go down there. (laughs) Oh no, go
2: go down go down Oh my Dylan, stop doing the coach oh I hate it so much. Oh,
0: that was awesome. easily
2: yo, go for it. Go for it. Oh my god. I hate Dylan. Um <laughs> which team in the NFC South would you say had the best offseason and which team had the worst one?
1: Um best and worst. I think yeah, by then, I think in order for you to do that, you kind of have to look at overall changes and overall growth. Like you can look at, I'll start off with the Saints because that's what I know most intimately. Uh, you look at the Saints and they made some big, big improvements at some key spots. I mean, big time adjustment at a, or big time improvement rather with adding Jared Cook to that offense. One of the things we haven't seen in New Orleans in a long time is – You know, the Drew Brees and Jimmy Graham kind of just winning by playing over the top of defenses, and that looks like that's what's shaping up to happen in New Orleans with Jared Cook. We've already seen that through the first few days of training camp. So you have to really give them a nod for having a really solid offseason, but I think overall growth, even though it's still within a rebuilding period, you kind of have to look at who was the lowest team uh, in the division, and what have they done to set themselves up for... Uh, set themselves up for success in the future. And I really like what the Bucs did. I mean, I really like the Bucs offseason. I know that they ended up getting rid of Gerald McCoy, but you know, when you have to make a personality call like that, and it's just, you know, a per- whether that personality be the player or something with the team, you have to, you know, you, you got to do what's best for your team. And so they move on from Gerald McCoy, but then they get in Dominic and Sue and then immediately give him the same number. So it's like Gerald McCoy never left or whatever <laughs> that is. Um, and so I like what they did there. I like the addition of, uh, of, uh, Devin White, of course, I like the uh, the cornerbacks that they added in the draft as well. Um, I like the fact they're going to give Chris Godwin a more expanded role going into 2017, operating on the opposite side of Mike Evans. Letting Deshaun Jackson go in the offseason was another good move for them just because, again, it was the right personality call. Deshaun Jackson's now back in Philly, which is proving to be a good fit so far in training camp and throughout the offseason. The only thing that I don't like about what the Bucks have is the quarterback position, which is unfortunately just a huge thing and that that can make and break your team and just Jameis Winston hasn't really proven that he can be a playoff quarterback. You know what I mean? Like whether or not you want to have a winning season or a losing season, if you make it to the playoffs, I'm not really gonna put my vote on Jameis Winston as a playoff quarterback. So that's my only thing. But I really, really like the improvements that they that they made. I like the improvements that Carolina made too I love Will Greer the Will Greer signing I actually really like them getting Brian Burns one of the big things that they didn't have on their defense last season was a pass rush and because of that their defense suffered because they don't really have a back end on their defense either but that's getting better with Dante Jackson Eric Reed back there and so that's kind of coming to that's that's taking form and of course you have an excellent second level there in Carolina and so getting a pass rusher there that's going to be able to help you that's big but again over on the offensive side, you still don't really have any receivers, any big weapons. You've got Curtis Samuel, who's a little bit gadgety. You've got Christian McCaffrey, who's probably going to be your leading receiver again, but he's really your running back. You've got DJ Moore, who's uh, 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 to me a commodity that commodity that I really liked and really like, but is still kind of an unknown. So you'll see what kind of an adjustment they make there. So I would sort of put for me, I think that the Bucks had the biggest shift throughout their offseason, but I think that the Saints had the best offseason just in terms of. The commodities that they were able to bring in and how they were able to improve their team you know they got to the point now to where everything that they're doing is about you know, return specialists in depth which is a really great place to be so that's why i give the nod really to the bucks in terms of biggest significant changes if you want to talk about best offseason that way but in terms of big moves i i give the nod to the saints uh and then the worst offseason for me is and i'm not just i i i hate it because i don't want to just talk crap about the falcons but i did yeah, just did. talk i did just talk <laughs> nice about them i did just talk nice about them you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. but like they just didn't improve that defense and that defense was horrendous last year and I get that they had players coming back from injury and whatever and maybe they felt really good about that but just a lack of improvement and a lack of attention over on the defense and then they bring in these offensive linemen that they really kind of reach for and that they might end up playing out of position they spent a ton of money on the offensive line Without really grabbing anybody, that's a you know big significant change for them. Uh, they really spent a ton of money re-signing second level guys that they were gonna sort of settle with as starters until they reached in the in, in the draft. And so uh, I don't know, man. I, I have a lot of trouble trusting what the Falcons did this off season, um, especially letting Tevin Coleman walk. I think that was another big one. I mean, we criticize, we hear the Saints get criticized all the time for letting Mark Ingram walk. But the Falcons had their version of that. You know Devontae Freeman is somebody that consistently deals with injury now, right, recently. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, not, it's not a career thing, but it's a recent thing. And so if that's a trend that you're, con- that, you're, that you're worried about, then I think you keep somebody as talented as Tevin Coleman, even though I do like Ido Smith, but he's still developing as well. And so uh, I, I, would, I, would give, I would give kind of the thumbs down to the Falcons in this case.
0: Plus the Saints at least replaced him with Latavius Murray, which I think was a very if you were gonna get rid of Ingram, which obviously you didn't want to do, Latavius Murray was a good pickup. Plus they are their uh their offseason isn't even done because they're trying out Theoretic right now, right?
1: Yeah, and Theo Riddick would be a huge add for the Saints.
0: A good huge a add. good RB three.
3: Yeah, or
1: potential potentially getting slot work too. Like oh, he's just true. so yeah. versatile. He's so versatile. Uh, I think if you know if the Falcons ended up signing Theo Riddick, then I would give. I mean, I would give them a nod for that for mm-hmm. sure. Um, but yeah, no, I really like what the Saints and Bucks did, and uh, I'm kind of down on what the what the Falcons did.
0: Mm-hmm. Plus the two the two offensive linemen that they drafted in the first round, uh, I, I think they kind of reached for both of them. I, I don't yeah. hate their. I don't hate the players that they drafted, but I do think it was kind of a reach.
1: Yeah, yeah, especially trading back into the first round to take who was it Caleb McGarry? Mhm. At that Caleb McGarry and a uh, Chris Lindstrom. Mhm. Was I believe it. yeah, I didn't yeah. was not a fan. Yeah, I mean Chris Lindstrom I didn't I don't necessarily have a problem with. It's just that there were there were clearly better players at that point on the board. I mean, we saw how far uh what's his name? Joan Taylor fell and stuff like that. Um and then uh with Caleb McGarry, I mean, you don't I I just don't understand trading Away half of your draft to get back into the first round to take somebody that you probably could have gotten had you stayed put in the second or third. Well, in the second, I'll say in the
2: second. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not that they were bad picks. I think you could have the Lindstrom pick. I think they could have traded down a little bit and still gotten Lindstrom. And then yes, second round they could have just stayed put. Or depending how far they traded down, if a team gave them an early second to move up, yep, I think that it would have just been. Better And especially, I think they picked, what was it, 14? So yeah. if a team is trying to come up and jump, because Washington picked 15, didn't they? And they yeah. took Haskins there. Mm-hmm. So if a team is really trying to take, if a team wanted Haskins, the Falcons could have easily just dropped back a little bit and then yeah. picked Lindstrom later. That's true. And, and charged a premium for someone to get a, fe- a feature franchise quarterback. Yeah,
1: that's the big thing is, you know, you you have that still you have that guy still on the board there that team's probably would have been kind of chomping at the bit for and then you can you can probably have swept you know, you probably would have stayed in the first round cuz you would have swapped first round picks and then also gained another pick in this draft or even the next uh and it kind of just would have made the it would have sweetened the pot for them a little bit, I think.
0: Yeah, um so we've been over this the standings and which who had the best best off season best well I mean worst off season as well. Uh who do you think the MVP of the division is going to be?
1: MVP of the division. Cool. Um, I think that Oh. <laughs> It, it, it's tough, right? Because I'm trying to figure out, do I go with the sure thing? Because the sure thing there is Drew Brees, right? Yeah. He was the he was the MVP runner-up in 2018 for the third time in his career. First player to ever have that happen without winning an MVP. Um, and so that would immediately make him then the MVP of his division, right? Yeah. And then basically when you're talking about the MVP award, you're talking about quarterbacks. So you're talking about Drew Brees, uh, Matt Ryan, Cam Jordan. I'm sorry, Cam Newton. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, Jameis Winston. And for me, it would probably be in that order. Uh, if the Falcons have an outstanding season next year, it's going to be on the back of the offense. And so I think you would have to then give Matt Ryan that nod. So it all kind of depends on how it plays out. But we, if we went with the scenario that I've already created, which is that the Saints win the NFC South, then Drew Brees would be the one.
0: Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, yeah, MVP is really just who's going to be the best quarterback. Right. And I think we already all knew the answer. Uh, before asking, you know, uh, I mean, if, if we're going to go non, non quarterback, I'd probably go like Camara. If I had to say non
1: quarterback, uh, the, the name, yeah, the name that actually left out to me was, was Christian McCaffrey. Um, because I, I think that, I think that Alvin Kamara will have an outstanding season next year. And I think that with him getting that sort of front load. Um, it, oh, sorry, uh, getting a larger load is going to be a big deal, and he's going to end up establishing himself as one of the better running backs in the league, but for Christian McCaffrey and the Panthers, they have literally no one else. So if we're going to say no quarterback, what player can affect their team the most on the offensive side, because again, MVP, at least if we're not saying quarterback, this is definitely going to be an offensive player. Mm-hmm. I, I think Christian McCaffrey has a pretty good shot, would have a good shot under those circumstances.
2: And then uh, since we're Obviously MVP is basically offensive player of the year at this point. Who do you think would be the defensive player of the year in the NFC South?
1: Uh again, using the scenario that I've already created with the Saints winning the division, which has a big factor in that, I would say Cam Jordan. I actually selected I actually have Cam Jordan as the NFL's defensive player of the year this season. Um it's probably a long shot, but I, I really love I don't what even he's
0: think done. it's that much of a long shot.
1: I think it's only a long shot depending on the record, right? Mm-hmm. Depending on how well the Saints do this season, which I expect them to do well, obviously. But, you know, it kind of depends on who the other names are that are going to be surfacing up there, right? Is Aaron Donald going to be in that conversation again? Because if so, then he carries an extra bit of, no pun intended, but extra weight uh, <laughs> there. And I don't, I'm not saying that because he's a defensive tackle. I just mean he's the best defensive player in the NFL, yeah. period, right? Um, and Aaron so, Donald, Kalil um, yeah, exactly. Say exactly. the Saints
0: repeat like the, the they do just as good li- this year as they did last year.
1: Um, then I, I definitely put Cam Jordan in that conversation as one of the top defensive players of the in in the league and potentially the defensive player of the year. Um, I, I I'm looking for him to have another 2018. I'm sorry, 2017 more than in 2018, mm-hmm. to where he gets those double digits and batted passes, tackles for a loss, and sacks. And I think that that, that in addition to an increased amount of sacks with Davenport operating more uh, consistently on the opposite side of him on that line, and with him being sort of the primary pass rusher, being able to split that with uh, Marcus Davenport, who I think is going to be a little bit more effective this season than he was his rookie season that's going to sort of help him get put himself into a position to where, you know, he raises that sack total to 15, 16 to get himself into that conversation more than last year's 12 did.
0: Yeah. And, uh, I, I already have a, I already kind of have an, an answer in my head for this one, but, uh, who, who do you think the rookie of the year of the division will be?
1: Oh, I got to go Devin white. Yeah, I think immediately is the person that jumps to mind. Um, I might be able to make an argument on Brian Burns' case because he's also an edge rusher and edge rushers tend to to get to collect that kind of attention. But really, linebacker is that defensive player of the year focus. Mm -hmm. Um, I say after a linebacker doesn't win, but still, (laughs) you know, historically, it's been linebackers and and edge rushers. But I think that uh, Devin White is just going to be someone that's going to come in and just sort of revolutionize that Tampa Bay defense um, in a way that is beyond just what the statistics say, but I also think he's going to have incredible statistics. He's a guy that's got the speed to cover tight ends and, and cover out of the backfield. He's an excellent pass rusher as well, and he's a great run stopper. So yeah. he's got that all-around game and sort of has that prototypical linebacker fashion that you need to secure that kind of an award.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I definitely think that uh, the his game that he already played at LSU. Will transfer perfectly into the NFL. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, but his speed is just Todd Bowles is gonna have a blast with him. Oh man, and and yeah, and thank you for mentioning that because that's something else too. Is that being in a system that really caters to linebackers and relies on linebacker play like a Todd Bowles system is just gonna put him in a position to where they need him to perform, and that's 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 what he was at LSU, and that's what he loves, and so I think he'll have a good. I think he'll enjoy himself.
0: it will uh, be like Darren Lee if he was good. Yeah,
1: Poor Darren Lee, man. <laughs>
0: so mean, much
2: potential. You're, you're, you're not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he could turn it around. And speaking of players that could turn it around, Ross, who do you think would be a favorite for most improved player in the NFC South?
1: Uh, Cam Newton. Uh, Cam Newton coming back to 2019, where he's able to actually like prolong his prolong his effect over 16 games that alone should put him in that conversation. Uh 2018 was kind of a screwy year for them. We kind of alluded to it with the all or nothing. Starting off 6 and 2, everything looked great and then Cam Newton's arm just kind of it was as if it just fell off, as if he just didn't have that anymore and somebody just stuck like a Barbie doll arm on his arm and you know at his shoulder and he just had to try to make it happen. Uh but it was it was tough to watch. Um and I think that He's looking good so far in training camp. I I sort of in jest tweeted out like, hey, make sure you save that arm camp. Uh, but he's <laughs> looking good so far in um, in training camp. And I think that if he can continue with that and if he's able to prolong his effect over the 2019 season, he's somebody that I would definitely put in that conversation. Hell, if Jameis Winston has a good enough year, I mean, you can't really get any worse. No, that's fine. Uh, that's fair. I don't, I don't care. Get the fuck out of here. Uh, it's not uh, going to happen. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Like, I have no faith he just, in that. Maybe he'll just eat but that W. Eat that W.
0: <laughs> Man. What an idiot. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think that, that wraps up the questions that we had for you. Um, so, we do have two questions coming in from our mailbag, both of them uh, from at tnaps37 on twitter
2: yeah thomas Dinapoli. he is uh he is our fantasy writer for oh don't shout out thomas man thanks
1: for the questions <laughs>
0: uh yeah so uh his first the, the is like it was kind of like a double question but like he started off with uh, uh we've seen bria's numbers drop recently are the saints more of a f- run first team now
1: Oh, yeah. Um So, you know, Sean Payton for years and years and years since he got here in 2016 with the New Orleans Saints continuously talked about how much he wanted to be a run first offense and sort of set up the passing game with the run. And it just very clearly was not that. Uh, and I think that finally, <laughs> with the addition of. It was two things. With the addition of Alvin Kamara, of course, in the 2017 draft, but also with the improvement of Mark Ingram, right? Those two guys really helped this team become a bit of a run-first team, or at least a run establishing the past team. And that's, that's more what I would call them than a run-first team, because a run first team is usually going to put itself in position to where when it needs to make something happen, it's going to do it with the run game or at least do something set up, you know, with play action or something that's set up by the, by the run game. Whereas with the saints, when they need to make something happen, they do it on Drew Brees's arm and they do it with the West coast offensive style this sort of, um, you know, quick, quick pass to set up the intermediate area of the field type stuff um, and, and great route combinations and all of that. So, Uh, I wouldn't call them a run-first team, but I would say that they're a little bit more of a, I'm going to be cheap here, a run-focused team than they have been in Drew Brees and Sean Payton's tenure. Um, And, you know, uh, the running back position, though, is one that's still a major focus because it's not limited to just the run game in New Orleans.
2: So with them being more run-focused instead of run-first, as you'd like to... uh cheaply <laughs> I know I'm, I'm, I'm totally <laughs> being cheap about it uh how do you think that affects Breeze and Kamara's fantasy values this season coming up
1: uh Kamara if you're in a PPR league should be your should be a round one target for you and I think very early or as early as possible I think him Christian McCaffrey those guys are the guys that kind of sit on top of that conversation you could throw Saquon Barkley in there of course as well uh, you should do more than throw Saquon Barkley in there. He should be a part of that conversation.
0: He should be the number uh, one pick. Yeah, yeah. exactly. He yeah. should be <laughs> your number one.
1: That. Uh, yeah, and I think Kamara and uh, Christian McCaffrey are early first round picks for you uh, once Saquon Barkley is already off of your board. And the reason why I say that is because of what I alluded to a moment ago is that even though they're not necessarily a team that's going to... Buckle down and be a run-first team. Their focus of how they use the running backs in their in, in their scheme makes Alvin Kamara, you know, a, a big-time hot commodity and a big-time hot property when it comes to uh, fantasy football because he's going to get those receptions. He's going to get the he's going to get the touches as well. There's a lot of conversation about Alvin Kamara going off for a 1,000 rushing yard and 1,000 receiving yard season. I don't necessarily see it there. I think he very well can get to 1,000 rushing yards. I think he'll probably be somewhere around 700 to 800 receiving yards. But even still, that's a eighteen or 1,700 yard from scrimmage um, uh, um, season. Season, yes, thank you. Uh, and he had 81 catches in both of his last two seasons. So you can expect him to be probably right around that number again in 2019. You might see it drop a little bit because of Jared Cook, but I don't think that Jared Cook is going to take away from that part of the game plan. I think Jared Cook is just going to kind of fold into, you know, somebody like a Trayvon Smith. I think it'll
0: only. even help him. Yeah,
1: exactly. And that's, you know, that's another part of the focus that defenses now have to deal with. And it's going to open up Alvin Kamara's game a little bit more, who is working on improving his route tree and working on what he can do, not just from the backfield, but also lined up uh you know whether it be in a slot or out wide lineup as a receiver and so i think that he's going to be somebody that's on top for you and i think drew Brees is a pretty good if you're getting you know if you're somebody that drafts quarterbacks late uh which i am i'm not i'm never going to take a quarterback early mm. uh he's one of those people to where if you get to uh i would say maybe the eighth or ninth round if you're looking for a quarterback around there maybe even the seventh round um and you know the top guys are off the board but drew Brees is still there i would go with Drew breeze before i would go with uh you know, let's say a, a Baker Mayfield or a um, who's another pretty solid quarterback that's out there. Um, I, w- I would still take Cam Newton. I would think Cam Newton before him. Well, no, I would take Drew Brees before Cam Newton, uh, just because of prolonged activity throughout the season. Mm-hmm. But you know, your your Aaron your Aaron Rodgers, your Tom Brady, your Russell Wilson should definitely be way before Drew Brees. Daniel um, Jones. Yeah. Right. Yes. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Fuck you. Yeah. Um, but but one of the things about Drew Brees is that you're not going to lose points with Drew Brees. You're yeah. you know you're going to get touchdowns. You're going to get yards. You're probably not going to get five thousand yards, but he'll get you over four thousand for sure. Uh, his numbers have decreased over the last two seasons, but we've seen it sort of sporadic over the last four. It's where he was in the 4,000-yard range, and he was back up to 5,000, then 4,000, then 3,000 this past season, even though he was only 8 yards short um, and didn't play in a game. Um, I, I think you're going to see him go over 4,000 again this season.
0: Yeah, and I, moving back slightly, just to touch on one last thing, I think it's very fair to not want to put a title on a Sean Payton offense because it really is just kind of a Sean Payton offense, and that's the only like kind of way you could describe it.
1: Yeah, I mean, you look at some of the you know, um, uh, I can't remember the guy's name. It starts with a C. Um, but it was uh, Pete you know, Carmichael. The, I'm no, kidding. no. Uh, <laughs> but the San Diego Chargers of way back. Mm-hmm. Um, Coriel offense, I can't remember. But you know, the he he really kind of bred that um that West Coast offense or what became the West Coast offense. And Sean Payton has kind of just taken that to another level. I mean, you look at all of the trends that he started and everything in terms of making sure that he he and Drew Brees and the Saints can stay fresh with their offense every season. They're not really repeating the same attacks every year. They're always bringing in a new wrinkle and things like that. Working on something that you guys will read and that everyone will read through uh, through your site actually on that. And so it's something that is that they've done very very well in the past and is going to continue to work for Drew Brees. Whether it be you know the introduction of what whatever the hell they're going to be doing with Taysom Hill this season. Or the way that they've made that second running back or that double, that two tandem running back position work, um, Alvin Kamara, so on and so forth. And then now adding somebody like Jared Cook is just yet that next wrinkle going into 2019.
0: So thanks again for listening. Uh, thank you, Ross, for coming on. Um, and so you can always fo- follow us on Spotify. Please, read us, please leave us a review on iTunes. All that jazz. It's free, easy to do, and helps us out a ton. You can follow me on Twitter, at Dilly Sanders. You can follow Brandon on Twitter, at WNS underscore Brandon. And you can follow Ross on Twitter, at Ross Jackson ASC, for all of your Saints and NFC South needs. Um, So yeah, and now, I guess, enjoy this interview with Coach Kiyoshi Harris. Uh, Yeah, that's it. Bye.
2: (laughs) Epilogue. All right. Uh, so, I am here. I'm Brandon Olson. I'm here with Coach Kiyoshi Harris. And uh, how are you doing, Coach?
3: I'm doing well, man. Thanks, Brandon, for having me.
2: And uh, you guys had a golf tournament today. How'd, how'd that go for you?
3: Yeah, we have uh, the annual Don Harris uh, Golf Tournament, which was a great turnout, man. I appreciate all the, you know, the golfers coming on out to kind of help with this on a yearly basis. The golf tournament, basically helps us provide, you know, scholarship money to, you know, our students here at Independence Community College. So Don Harris, you know, was actively involved with, you know, athletics and just the school itself before he passed away, you know, I think I believe it was twenty five years ago. So his wife puts on the clinic every year. She's actively involved with athletics and and at the school. So she's a great lady, Judy Harris. So you know, we go out every year to help her out and put on this big celebration. And, and you know, this year we kind of added a new twist to it. We had our first ever women's football clinic. We called it Helmet Heels. and Hills, uh, And so my wife helped put that on with a few other ladies in town, and they did a great job. And, you know, we had a good turnout, and, you know, the ladies had fun. And I think, you know, it's something that we'll probably end up doing on a yearly basis. So it was a good day. The Pirates won, so I'm happy. Uh,
2: so, yeah, I'm going to jump into the Coach Brown questions. And then there's just a couple of them, and then we'll move on. Talk more indie. uh, Last chance, you. All right. So the first one is just if you are still in contact with Coach Brown.
3: (laughs) Yeah, believe it or not, I talked to him about 30 minutes ago. The crazy thing about it is uh, my nephew, because he's out in California. They saw him walking in a. Actually, my sister in law saw him walking in a in a Lowe's and. so, my nephew's a big Coach Brown fan. And, you know, uh, so my sister in law, my mother in law didn't want to go up to JB. And so they called my wife. And so then my, my sister's nephew, he hurried up and shout out to Lowe's. And JB was on his way out. So I called JB on the phone and said, Hey, man, I need you to stay there for about two minutes because my nephew's a big fan and he with you. So, you know, I talked to him probably about, it probably was about 30, 45 minutes ago, right before I got on the other line. That's the thing. He has people that
2: are big fans of his and people that strongly dislike him uh, because of his aggressive style. And are you going to keep that yeah. same uh, mentality that he had or are you going to be a little bit more laid back?
3: Nah, it, I think everybody has their own kind of way of going about different things, you know, is with JB was like, you know, he he shot it to you straight. He let you know how he feels and, you know, and he didn't, you know, he didn't discriminate. He didn't care who it was or who you are. And, you know, and basically, uh, you know, people either love him or they hate him, you know, one or the other. There's no in in between and so on like that. I'm a little bit different. You know, I'm just – that approach is not me. You know, I do get after their butts, though. I'm not going to lie. And uh, sometimes you have to be stern with the kids, but – you know, it is it. It is what it is. Everybody's different. I'm not saying that I haven't came at a kid before and and told him to get it, get his crap going, and you know, saying and let's get it going. And but uh, you know, I I feel that kind of my approach as a head coach is a tad bit, a little bit different. You know, so uh, we are cut from the same cloth on a few things, but you know, everybody has their way about going about doing it. And you know, I'm trying to make my own way and trying to build my own culture. So. I'm doing it a little bit different. Uh, I, I would have hated playing for him. Uh. <laughs> you know the crazy thing about it, Brandon? I, you, you'll see it, and like a lot of people say it, you know, and, you know, they show it on Last Chance U where he kind of gets after guys pretty much and tells it how it is. And But you'll rarely see too many kids talk bad about him, you know, and, and that's something you can search for it on Twitter or whatever. Now, you'll see a bunch of other coaches, you'll see a bunch of – people that are not in the football, you know, just in the football profession, you know. But like I said, everybody has their own opinion. You know, do I agree with it, right or wrong? That's JB. He's going to do what he has to do. But if you look back, not too many people are, as far as his former players, are just going to say, hey, he's full of crap and I hated the guy. You're not going to find that. But, but you know, some guys can't play for him. You know, we had some guys on our team that couldn't play for him. They couldn't handle it. And then we had other guys on our team that didn't like it, but they still, you know, shut up and play and then we had guys that loved him you know so this, you know it's all different types of walks and you know of life that you know were underneath our you know or uh in our within our team so it's just it's just one of those things oh, yeah. and it's, uh,
2: me personally like i've had coaches that were like ne- not nearly as aggressive as him but they just yeah. were like very like in your face about it and i i wasn't a fan of it That's well that's why i know yeah, i wouldn't yeah. have uh I wouldn't have, uh, yeah, I wouldn't have yelled with him much, but, uh, you're obviously still close with JB and, uh, was it at all bittersweet for you to take the head coaching job after his departure?
3: I think, you know, and I've had a bunch of people reach out to me about this when I first got the job and, you know, it's kind of, you know, it was on a unusual circumstance, a different type of circumstance that, you know, as friends, you, nobody wants, you know, whereas, you know. as a friend and you see one guy lose a job for whatever reason and you're the reason why that guy is out here and then you step in and fill his shoes and you know I guess some people can say it's kind of awkward you know at the time but you know we talk all the time we're still good friends and you know it's you know he wants the best for me I want the best for him and you know what it comes down to it is I'm, I'm glad I was able to do it just because You know, we got a great staff, so we're able to keep that intact. And then, you know, we signed a good class, you know, and so we're able, you know, we're able to still bring those guys in. And so it it was kind of a little bit, you know, uh, unusual situation, but we're making it work.
2: Yeah. Um, How was your guys class? I mean, I didn't. Yeah. I'm not sure how it's comparable to JB, but uh, how many transfers do you guys having or bounce backs do you guys have coming in?
3: Mm, We kind of kind of shied away from as many as we've had in the past. You know, we probably maybe have maybe about 10, you know, all together. You know, that's, you know, some are Division two, some are, you know, Division I. Uh, you know, we kind of, you know, hung our hat this year on trying to go out and trying to get some of the best incoming freshmen or maybe, uh, you know, a couple of kids from the Arizona JUCOs to kind of help us out. Our our class, our 2019 class that, you know, we're talking about that we're bragging about, you know, they're basically made up of all high school kids that, you know, just want to come in. And a lot of them had, you know, big time offers that didn't qualify academically. So we got to help them try to get back to those offers that they want and, and get it done education wise. But, you know, I think since I've been here the last two years, it's probably the best class. That's some
2: pretty high praise. because You guys had players like Malik Henry yeah. and Jay Jones come in um
3: yeah you know and b- both of them were good both of them were good quarterbacks and you know we got you know some good ones right now on campus so you know and we look good shoot infatuation is a big thing for me I like you know I like when guys look good it's football and uh you know and we look good and, you know our, our strength coach does a good job so and that's and that's half the dang battle right then and there so I'm pleased so, so far How? yeah that's uh it's like Deion Sanders said look like, good feel good feel good play good that's it man and so you know we want to be able to get off the bus and open some eyes to some other schools and so that's what we're working towards right now so we when we recruited we we went out and recruited we wanted some length of course you know some long guys and we wanted some speed and, and that's what we got you know so you know so far so that, good while you were on last chance you did you feel like obviously jb
2: felt like he could be himself did you feel like you had to kind of behave differently because you were being recorded or were you just you the whole time
3: this year you know for the first month and like back in 2017 when they first started recording you know everybody's kind of hesitant of kind of what to say and then after that about that first month you're kind of like okay even though you your cameras is right behind you you know you're a football coach and you just coach football and i don't know how to coach football kind of one way now are you you know you are reluctant the cameras on there and I've had you know talks with younger coaches about hey man you better watch what you say because this is going to be with you the rest of your life but I think 2018 was a little bit different just because you know we were kind of used to the cameras as you know some of us coaches and you know we really wanted to be ourselves and excuse me so you know we just kind of you know went in on it but also I think just with the season being how it was, and you know, some things were just we were just coming up short in some games, and we were really ourselves. And it was because it was like it was kind of hard to hold our emotions and hold our feelings. You know, when you're willing, when you're winning, everything's you know everything's fun and and so on because you're winning games. But well, when you're losing, it's like those emotions come out, so it's kind of hard to hide.
2: And games. speaking of emotions, uh the Garden City game last year.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yep uh what happened exactly with that because we saw for the most part what they showed on the series was they kind of just showed uh you walking up to coach sims and then coach sims walking away yelling at you and then you just yelling that you were trying to shake his hand so what exactly happened in that moment
3: i think you know, the, you know just got caught up you know with everybody you know uh, I think it was one of those games that kind of reverted back to 2017, where we won the game, you know, in the last, you know, few minutes, and it was one of those things where, you know, they were just anticipating that game, and Coach Sims, you know, watched last chance you and and didn't like, you know, kind of a few things that JB said them, so it was kind of just a build up, build up, and, you know, and also, you know. We jumped up early on them and, you know, 20 to three or 21 to three right out the gate. And they were able to come back and hats off to them. You know, they were able to come on back and kind of win the game. So right then and there, if you ever coach football or played football or played any sport and you're down and you come back from that deficit to kind of win the game, you know, you're going to be excited and emotion. So, you know, me, you know, you you, you win some and you're going to lose some. So you got to take it like a man. So when I went out there to shake his hand, he actually shook my hand and so on like that and then he kind of just like to let the emotions get to him a little bit between him and JB and actually JB was walking you know he was nowhere near us he was walking towards the locker room or towards the end zone kind of where we kind of go and you know he was taking it you know it's hard but still it is what it is we knew the game was going to kind of be intense a little bit just because of the so-called so-called bit of rivalry between the two but uh you know and then he cut he started calling out jb a little bit and and that's when jb kind of got upset and then when the two head coaches get upset that's when the kids kind of get upset and so it kind of went from there you know so that's why you saw me saying man i was just trying to shake your hand you know and uh and so kind of the rest is history you know coach sims you know he's taking a lot of heat for it you know jb takes a lot of heat for things at the same time the camera catches a lot. But you guys got to understand that, you know, the camera, you know, they 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 want viewers. You know, they, they're they there for controversy and so on like that. So,
2: yeah, and we know they're there for that because you just said that Sims shook your hand. But they don't show that on Netflix. They show nah, nah. just him start screaming at you while you're saying that you're yeah. just trying to shake his hand. Um, yeah. he's, he's left Garden City now. So is, is that a little upsetting for you that you don't get to...
3: Go kind of toe to toe with him. Nah, you know everybody is coaches a coach, and I don't fault Coach Sims at all. I've talked to him, you know, after you know after the you know the game, you know, later on in the season when he went to you know Missouri Southern, and you know, and he you know he's tried to recruit and he's offered a couple of our kids. He actually signed a one of our kids, and you know it. You know it's just it is what it is, and you know now Coach Minick is over there at you know Garden City, so. When, you know, one good coach that can recruit and bring guys in leaves, another one comes in. And so, you know, we're still going to have our hands full. So it's a competitive conference. So, you know, but like a, in all coaches, everybody has, you know, I'm saying aspirations to kind of keep venturing on and moving on up. And he's a head coach. Now he's a head coach at Division two school. So, you know, it is what it is. And he'll probably want to try to go move up from there. And so. um
2: which players are –
3: yeah, I guess which players from
2: 2018
3: are still with Independence? We we I mean I just went to media day yesterday, and we don't have a ton, you know, a lot of new faces, new faces, and you know we I think we have about six dudes or six players that uh, that are from our last two years two roster that are with us right now. We have a couple of starters, like on offense, you know. We have wide receiver Raekwon Heath who started a couple games for us last year before breaking a couple of fingers and having to sit out the rest of the season. Uh, We have an offensive lineman, Lamar Barrett, who started for us last year. He started for about five or six games for us last year. Uh, Running back Shamari Jones, uh, he started – he was injured, missed about five games last year, but he started a few games for us. On the defensive side of the ball, you know, I think the one kid that has – you know, there's two kids actually to have some playing time. One kid started about five games. That's our safety, Jawan Treadwell. You know, his brother played at Ole Miss, plays for the Vikings, and then uh, we have a outside linebacker by the name of Corbin Hagans But other than that, the, the the team is new. You know, new bodies all the way around every at every position.
2: All right, that's uh, so that obviously means a lot. Which in community college or JUCO, it's uh, there's always
3: a lot of roster turnover. But what can we what no doubt. can I – go ahead? No, I was saying I was just gonna say, I mean to interrupt we you know, we got forty eight kids scholarships last year. So, you know, and you know, it, you know, we have that's hats off to a lot of people at Independence Community College, you know. Uh but you know when you lose forty eight kids, you know, it's gonna to be tough. So we have to replace forty-eight kids. So, uh you know, that's what we had to go out and do, so but, like you said, in junior college, you're gonna have a high turnover rate anyway, you know, but our job here, that's part of our job as coaches, man, we want to get our kids scholarships. We had a few kids that could have came back this year that could have helped us out in certain positions, but they chose to take you know a Division one scholarship, so you know, we got to find a guy to replace them. so that's what we do
2: uh how do you guys really uh, as coaches? Do you communicate much with the teachers because they seemed really emotionally invested in the kids
3: on the series? We Yeah, and you you hit it right there on the nose. We got some good teachers at Independence and you know, they care about our kids, you know, our, you know, we're a small community college. We're like I think the smallest community college in the country that plays football. So realistically, you know, just right now in summer school, it's, it's football players and basketball players, basically. And, you know, our teachers are doing a great job. And, you know, so they see our guys a lot. They're around our guys a lot, just like us as coaches. And, you know, <coughs> excuse me, they get, they get to know our kids and they kind of get to know the struggles that they come from. And so I think, you know, just by our, the instructors getting to know our kids, it wants them to help them out even more. And I think you'll see a lot like with, K.D. and Bobby Bruce and and a few others, like you know those instructors right there and there, uh, you know, got to know K.D. and you know, and he he's a good kid. He's a jokester. You know, he struggles in school, but he's a not a bad kid. He's not a disrespectful kid. So you know, they kind of took a liking to him. And they, of course, he's had some tragedy in his life. So they wanted you know they wanted him to make it. So they help him out. Of course, you, have, you know, they're, they're making them do the work because that's what a lot of times, you know, that our kids don't understand. Like, our instructors, they're going to help you, but they're, you got to do the work. They're just going to help you through and teach you how to do the work.
2: Yeah, and um, I can't remember her name. I think it's, hey, she was the English, she was Katie's uh, Comp 2 instructor. I think her name is Mykov or something similar to that, and I, <laughs> she she looked like she was about
3: Miss You talking about Miss Yes.
2: She looked like she was about to cry when she was reading Katie's paper and she saw the Ms. progress. Mydash. Uh it's just it's awesome yeah. to see, and,
3: you know, Miss Myda's challenges our kids and you know, it did a good job, but I think, you know, Katie not only did it, you know, for himself, but he also saw that, you know, Miss Myda's believed in him and so he a little bit of that was working, you know, to please Miss Midosh at the same time. You know, she she honestly looked like she was about to cry like tears of
2: joy when she was reading his uh his 20 page paper and she saw that he actually like was oh, yeah. listening and he did everything right. So that was a uh, that was just nice to see. But um, what's yeah. the coaching staff looking like this year? How many guys are you br- guys bringing back? I know you brought back the defensive coordinator, uh, Jason Martin.
3: Yeah. But- yeah. J- Jason, Jason's a good guy, good coach. You know what I'm saying? He probably not going to be here too long. You know, he'd probably get his shot to go somewhere at the next level. Uh, So, you know, we only have, including myself, there's four returning coaches from last year's staff. You know, uh, myself, Jason Martin, which is our assistant head coach and defensive coordinator. He also coaches our defensive backs. You have uh, Coach Donerson, which, you know, we promoted to our associate head coach. He's also our D-line coach and our strength coach. And then you have Coach Stadler, and he was promoted to our, our outside linebackers coach, and then of course myself. Those are the four uh, coaches from last year's staff, and then I brought in. And Coach Coach Brown actually brought in a few guys too before he resigned, and then I brought in some guys too to kind of help so out. So the guys that
2: Coach Brown brought in are still they remaining with Indy.
3: Yeah, yep, yeah, they're they're here. He he, you know, he did a good job. Found some 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 jewels, and you know, and I'm glad they're here with me. So. You know, he brought in Coach Steve McCollum, who was at Toledo. He's our linebacker coach, special teams coordinator. And then he brought in uh, Johnny Kaufman, who's our, you know, young, energetic, going to be a really good, good, good coach. He's our uh, he's our wide receiver coach at that. And then, you know, I brought in a few guys, too, myself. I, uh, I actually didn't know that Steve McCollum went
2: to a- – that he went to Indy because, and I, obviously you don't know this prior to, but I actually went to Toledo. So that's really fun for me to hear. Um,
3: Yeah. Yeah. No, he's, he's a good coach and, you know, great young mind and he's just like, you know, Coach Martin, he probably, you know, you know, just like a lot of other coaches that come to junior college, especially in the Kansas Jayhawk, you know, we have a high turnover turnover rate because they get jobs. And so, you know, hopefully, you know, we, he helps us win some games this season, which I know he's going to do. And, and then hopefully he gets a job, and that's what it's all about. My job is not only to take care, you know, and I got this from J.B. and some other coaches, but not only to take care of my players, help them get, you know, Division One or Division Two scholarships, I also want to help my young coaches get Division One or Division Two coaching jobs. So, you know, a lot of guys on our staff, you know, have that, you know, uh, that trait of just being a great coach. So, you know, we'll see what happens. So uh,
2: just scheme-wise, because last season, defensively, uh, Jason Martin kind of got demoted at one point, uh, and JB kind of took over the defense for a little bit. So what are we going to see defensively from independence?
3: You know, I, you know, I, you know, I give Jason, Jason the freedom to run his, his, his defense that, you know, the last couple of years that, you know, of course we've had some success with, and, you know, I, you know, I also kind of, it also falls back on me at the same time. I have a lot of confidence in, and Jason, he's gonna, you know, gonna do a great job. He's recruited some great players, and you know, I think you know everybody learns from certain things. You know, what I'm saying whether you're trying to do too much or you didn't do enough or you didn't make this adjustment. So you know, the spring, you know, he did a great job in spring, and so you know, we're eager to just kind of see you know what the fall brings us. You know, anytime you have better players, it makes you a better coach. You know, so you know our thing is our philosophy is let's put the players, let's line them up, let them play fast and. You know, and that's what we are want to do. We're going to line them up correctly and we're going to let them play fast. And so, I, you know, my total philosophy is you don't have to be that fancy. You don't have to have a ton of things in, you know, and so he has that same type of philosophy. So, you know, we'll see what happens. And
2: offensively, what can we expect? Because
3: last year there was the controversy of the playbook. Uh, yeah, that's that's. Now they're saying there's I don't you know I'm gonna be honest I don't know if there's a playbook out there or if there's not out there or if it was online I never looked it up I think one of our coaches last year tried to look on Amazon to kind of see if it was out there or not but you know I'm gonna tell you the truth you know I I got the philosophy I don't care if they have my playbook or not you know and I know a lot of coaches don't feel like that but I don't you know you know Coach Ronellis, he's back with us this year and he's doing a great job coaching running backs and you know we joke and mess with him all the time there actually was somebody in the audience today because he was doing a presentation and he said, do you have any questions? And, uh, you know, a gal raised her hand and was like, do you have the playbook? And so everybody started laughing and, and so on. But, uh, you know, you know, we, we hired off a hired an offensive coordinator. And he came in and he was in, you know, the Minnesota junior college conference and, you know, played at Nebraska and, you know, with him and a couple other guys that I've hired and, you know their job is to get the offense going, getting ready to go and and, and find a a system that's going to work for us that's going to help you know get our athletes the ball and so we wanted a balanced attack and so that's what they're doing and so and and I'm pleased with it, where it's going so far so
2: and then uh which game this season would you say that you're most looking forward to?
3: Ah man, they're all important, man, but I think you know game one, we have to get off to a great start august twenty fourth against Dodge city. And, uh, you know, that's one that you know, our kids, you know, they worked hard in spring. They're working hard in the classroom, in the weight room right now, conditioning. So, you know, anticipate, I think, you know, myself being a new head coach and Dodge City coach being a new head coach and, you know, both trying to implement the culture and the in different schemes. I think game one's important. And then uh, just one more question for you,
2: which we ask everybody uh, here, whoever we interview. Um, you know my cause, my cleats for the NFL. It's just Yeah. If you were playing in the NFL, like what would your cause be that you would want represented on your cleats?
3: Man, that's shoot, man. I've never had that question asked for <laughs> asked to me before, but I think man, I probably realistically, you know, if I got to kinda, you know, have any kind of slogan to kind of represent what I'm trying to what I'm trying to do, you know realistically there's so many kids out there in the foster care system I think I would have them try to get me some some cleats or put a slogan about that you know saying how we kind of need to do just a better job and you know what I'm saying getting these kids you know the you know of course on track for graduate getting them off to college and you know just put them how to uh, make them successful in life you know what I'm saying you know I, I don't know not too many people no, but you know, me and my wife adopted a son when he was nine years old, and you know, he he's, you know was in the foster care system at some time, and a lot of my players have been in foster care, and you know, I used to teach for nineteen years, so I dealt with a lot of kids in foster care system, and I just think, man, that's one little area that this country kind of has. You know, we don't really overlook it, but I think we need to put more emphasis to it. You know,
2: yeah, that's uh, that's the first time we've had that answer, so. First time you've been asked, first time we got that answer. Yeah. Um, All right, so thank you for this, Coach Harris, and good luck this season. I appreciate it, man. Thank you.